were talking about that beforehand. Yeah. We were talking, I've like, never seen Hostel. Like, Vanessa was flipping through the the early list, and she said, "I agree with the first saw being on here." Is Hostel where horror took a turn to the? It's too gross and to, to, shocking. It, yes. Yeah, because like the first saw happened, and I like and appreciate the first saw because a lot of the because t- we had just come out of this like new slasher era it made a hundred uh, times its budget yes a hundred times its budget the, and the, the, new, the new slasher era was like scream scream i know what you did last summer self-aware slashers we yeah. had like slashers and then self-aware yeah. slashers and then saw came out and saw had this really new concept of like uh i brought you in not because everything else had been hunting and stalking. Slash was the first one where it was just like, you're in my territory and you have to get out. Uh, but then just a wave of six to seven years of torture porn happened. And yes. then Hostel was like the thing that just like kicked it off of like, oh, we're all just doing this now. Because people like Hills Have Eyes was another one for people. When that yeah. came out, they said yeah. that movie was fucked. I it haven't was seen fucked. any of these even, even when they brought back Texas Chainsaw Massacre, when they did the remake with... Did they make it even more... Yeah, with 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 um, uh, anti-vaxxer Jessica Biel. Yeah, that one was a like it, it felt That's like why it was, I didn't see that movie. Yeah, like, if, oh, yeah. <laughs> you knew you're like she there's something about I don't know something about mm-hmm. the seventh heaven person mm-hmm. that yeah. I exactly. also don't like along with that other yeah, seventh heaven was, person. <laughs> wow, two out of seven so far. Yeah, and both of them are <laughs> annihilated. And like it was hostile hills have eyes, and then it just became like this weird fork in the road where it was either torture porn mm-hmm. or found footage, mm-hmm. and it was just the two oh, for yeah. like paranormal a decade. Paranormal Activity, yeah, torture yep. porn. Which again, I also really like the first Paranormal Activity, yeah. and then it was We're just like back into ghost stories, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Back into ghost stories and isolated horror movies, because around that time it was also like, let's turn this horror movie into the biggest franchise possible, yeah. and mm-hmm. it was basically like Paranormal or Saw. Or however many, but now we're getting it follows and Baba Duke. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it yeah, there no one's yeah going yeah. for a sequel. Even with the Conjuring, like, yeah, stop it. Yeah, I mean, I have not seen a single Conjuring, but I've heard the, the first, first one's one is great. terrifying, and that yeah. like that o- that overall people don't people enjoy that franchise. Apparently, yeah. Annabelle Creation is terrifying. Good. Yeah, the Nun was awful. Yeah, uh, they just yeah. used footage from their other movies to like cobbled together and something. La Llorona is also La supposed Llorona. to be awful. Yikes. Yeah. The Llorona was awful. The Nun reminded me of like every flashback episode of a 90s sitcom where it's just like, oh, your writers are tired. <laughs> <laughs> Give them a break. Let them take a nap. Let's just do a highlights reel. Yeah. And like, I like franchises. Like yeah. when you have like the Friday the 13th franchise, because it just kept getting more self-aware and weird. Mm-hmm. But or like, like the Final Destination, just thinking of crazier ways to kill yeah. people. Mm-hmm. But when it came to like hostile and paranormal, it very much felt like by the by yeah. the book and also like, oh my god, I get it. How many times can I watch a woman get scalped? Yeah. Oof. And I'm someone that loves really gross horror. I like Italian I horror. Oh. <laughs> Have you seen Bone Tomahawk? Yes. That movie's <laughs> fucking gnarly as hell. Ooh. I think that guy you watch a man get cleaved in half. Yeah. Oh, that's like watching the beyond and being like, what cut am I getting today? Am I getting the cut with all the eye stuff or am I getting the cut without the eye stuff? No eye stuff, please. (laughs) Hey, don't watch John Wick three or John Wick three. Yeah. What's the eye stuff in John Wick three? The guy slow-mo getting stabbed in the eye. Oh, that's actually a callback to the beyond. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Cause it, cause it's the whole slow, like, 
this is going to happen and you're making me wait for it That's happening. the thing. That's the thing. It's the anticipation of knowing. It's like, this guy's going to get stabbed in the eye and I'm allowed to close my eyes? But yeah. am I going to? <laughs> yeah, Fulci did that in the <laughs> beyond. There's a four-second window where I can decide. Oh, he made it like seven seconds to where I was just like, yes, no, yes, no. Oh, God, they're open. <laughs> what I really like is, uh, before we started the movie, Vanessa coined the term... Um, a24 horror which yeah. is like the trend that we're in right now mm-hmm. which i think is like was is pretty spot on it's, pretty yeah. it's like the best it's there's, so yeah good. there's good stuff yeah. man it's i think that it's there's especially it's especially a good time to be a horror fan but is it a good time to be a 1940s chinese film fan well, guess what? Today it will be because yeah. that's this the movie hardest. Was terrifying. That's the, <laughs> that's the hardest I've ever worked at any kind of transition. But let's just go ahead and jump into it. Um, oh dang! Hey everybody, She's on the cans. Hey, cans are on. Cans are on. Hey everybody, welcome to the 500 Greatest Films Podcast. My name is Hector Navarro. Sitting across from me is my good buddy, Mr. Keller Knobloch. Say hi, Keller. Hi, Hector. And our guest today is an incredibly talented <laughs> comedian. Writer, producer. She's one of the hosts of El Ray Nation on the El Ray Network. You guys are co hosts. We're co hosts. Co hosts. High five. Oh my God. Co hosts. High five. Oh. Co hosts. <laughs> wow. Uh, I hope you guys don't do that on the show because no. that no. was embarrassing. We'll, Thank God we have a post production team that makes yeah, it look yeah. like a really good we'll, high fives. We'll have uh, rehearsals. Fixes your high five. We'll be able to do. Just cuts to two hands that aren't yours. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Those are some good hands. There's just like a black guy's hand and like a white guy's hand. <laughs> Wham. Uh, our guest today is Vanessa Gritton. Vanessa. Yay. Thank Yay. you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for agreeing to watch a movie that uh, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, you had never heard of before. Never. Keller and I have never heard of before. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is what happens sometimes. We're doing this That's podcast. The magic of this list. <laughs> yeah. And you sold it to me as, do you want to watch this uh non-dubbed Chinese movie from the 40s. Do you want to yeah. come over and go back to sleep? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was all in because I don't know why this has just been my year of saying yes to literally any movie, video, anything that's great. been offered to me. Great. Uh, it's been going great so ha- far. Have you regretted it yet? <laughs> uh, not yet. Because okay. even wow, when the cool. ones are like really, really bad, I've still found like... Something to be... It's fun at least. It's, it's usually been fun because yeah. I... A lot of the time it was like, hey, I have a recommendation for you. Hey, you want to see this video on my phone? And I've been like, eh. And then this year I've just been like, sure, I'm that person. Give me. I'm going to say no to every video on a phone still. I'm still going <laughs> to keep that rule. Hey, man, can I show you this funny thing? No. no. <laughs> it's 12 seconds. It's no. a dog. It's No. I'll no. just explain it to I've you. I've seen no? dogs. I have yeah. Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> it's been shared 40 times before you showed it to me. Uh, well, we have two traditions on the podcast, Vanessa. The first tradition is that Keller is going to tell us what movie we're about to talk about. The second tradition comes down to you, and I don't think I told you this yet. No, not yet. So, by the end of the podcast, we started, I don't know, five, ten minutes ago, whatever. Um, but by you, the end. You are going to, uh, for us, contribute any movie ever made to uh, uh, to join a new list that Keller and I have been putting together. We've been asking each one of our guests. Ooh. So by the for end, the past- after 10 years, we'll have 500 of the greatest films of all time, according to our guests. As opposed to according to this list. So any movie ever made. <sighs> yes. A24 horror movie. It can, it can be the movie uh, you watched today. It yeah. can be a movie you, you saw when you were. You think a Small Town needs to be right back on that list. <laughs> but just any movie that you feel deserves to exist on a list of the 500 greatest movies of all time. So right now, this right here are some of the uh, movies that other people, other guests and friends oh, of ours. And it can literally be anything. Like Spider-Verse is on there. Yes. Tremors is on there. Yes. Uh, Boy, Shin Godzilla. I will say Tremors too is amazing. Mm, uh, Tremors 2 isn't on the list, so you got that option. So you have, you have two ways two ways to think about it. 
the first one is you can pick the sort of like go-to classic, no doubt, a movie that you every you're like yes, unanimously this deserves to. For uh-huh. a second, I thought right? no doubt was in a movie. The movie like, oh, that's got to go on there. No doubt, or you can think about it like what movie do I want to pick that no one else will pick. That I want to ensure, make sure. Yeah, makes I'm it currently on, you know? in between those two right now. So, so think about that. You got you got a little bit of time. We have some time, but by the end, we'll go ahead and plop that in there. But the first tradition, Keller, tell us in a bruffy, in a in a bruffy, in a bruffy, <laughs> in, a bruffy. <laughs> in a stuffy. <laughs> I got to make this bruffy now. <laughs> in a stuffy British guy voice. Is that we're just going to call a British stuffy voice. A, a British stuffy voice is a bruffy voice. Oh, it's mad. Tell bruffy. us. What, from Empire Magazine 2008, what movie we're talking about today? 427 Spring in a Small Town, 1948, director Mu Fei. This tale of a woman's emotional journey in re-encountering an old flame languished in communist archives, deemed reactionary for decades, it was only rescued for reappraisal during the 1980s. This gives you nothing. Yeah. It's yeah. just... <laughs> this gives you nothing. It's it just gives you a little his- bit of context for when the movie came out and maybe which, why it's on the list. To be fair, which I think is one of the most interesting things about the movie is the context, is the historical context. In case you're not aware, just like Empire Magazine said, or if you do a quick Google, I'm just going to turn this page upside down. Here no, we go. it has is to be, okay? I'm going to get an easel, a tiny easel that makes it so you have to look at this poor right. wallpaper okay. thing. Okay, my merch. Is, yeah. It, yeah, this is Vanessa's to take home. We're going to start selling out pages that aren't the list on <laughs> the website. We should. We should like, like carefully cut out the first page because we've already done the first page of the no, uh, not, of the list. No, not the actual list. Just we'll give them. Okay. we'll give them the ad for Burn After Reading <laughs> or The Day oh the Earth Stood God. Still. There's a two page spread for Keanu Reeves, The Day the Earth yep. Stood Still. I had a first date at Burn After Reading. What? How yeah. did that, how how did did that, that go? go? I think this was was one person a Coen Brothers fan and the other oof, person not me. I was the fan. The okay. date was not, and we were also we were also like fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, uh, that's and that can not go one way or the listen, other for a fifteen, sixteen year old. I, I gotta say, as far as Coen Brothers films go, that's not one to like jump into. It's I feel not. like I feel no, like your that's first one one's got to be like yeah. Uh, I guess the Big Lebowski yeah. is the gateway for a yeah. lot of people. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I didn't even see the Big Lebowski until like two years ago. I'm yeah, very either. weird. Uh, I've seen everything in the Wachowski's filmography mm. except for The Matrix this year, and That's I've seen true. everything in How the Coen Brothers. I loved it. Okay. I've seen yeah, it six you times it today. I have. Yeah. Because exactly. I've seen it six times since I finally saw it. Wow. But didn't you just uh, go see it for the first time a few weeks ago? Exactly. At, at a How do you screening? feel about the week new and a half ago, news. and I've seen it six wow. times since. Wow. How do you feel about the new Matrix news? Uh, what? Michael B. Jordan is going to be in a new Matrix directed by the Wachowskis, <laughs> written by Zach Penn. When? Uh, 2021. Oh, my God. Yeah, that would be rad. I feel like I'm catching up. Like, I just got warm. <laughs> I found uh, that out yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> AC has not been on. Yeah. It could just be that. Oh, no, because, like, I... In the week and a half since I've seen it, I've seen it six times just because I just keep rewatching it to be like, wow, I miss so much. It's uh, bonkers. So, Have you watched the sequels yet? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I also like saw Animatrix before I even saw The Matrix. Oh, what? wow. Is The uh, Matrix good? I enjoyed it. Yeah, okay. On its own, I really enjoyed it. Animatrix okay. is cool. Yeah. yeah. I like it. And like with the Coen brothers, I saw literally every Coen brothers thing up until that point until I finally saw Big Lebowski last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I just do everything backwards. But yeah, not a good first date movie. 
No. 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 Burn no. After Reading is not. So if you're listening right now and you would like a Neither crappy... Hail Caesar. Ripped up, yeah, those are those are tough. Those are like, you got to be diehards. You got to kind of know what you're getting into at yeah. least. You Especially can't just with throw it on. comedy. Raising exactly. Arizona, you can throw yes. somebody into. Or yeah. Brother Where Art Thou, you can throw somebody into. Yes. Oh, yeah. that's. I think Oh Brother Where Art Thou, maybe even more than Lebowski, might be like yeah. a that really might be the good first intro. most accessible one, yeah. yeah. Most, most mainstream accessible, for sure. Um, but no um, for old men. Thanks. Completely lost my train of thought, but um, what were we talking about before we jumped in? I keep this uh, communist China. So the, one of the most interesting things is that the movie came out in 1948. Mm-hmm. In 1949, I believe, was the communist revolution where the communist government of China like took power and they had like rejected the movie and pretty much censored it and and like made it disappear. I believe, and until again, until like, the 1980s, until the 80s, where other Chinese. Um, I think like people involved in film and art history, like found it, restored it. They have like the original print of it in an important place in China, like in, like in a, in a museum or, or the archives or, you know how like we have like the library of Congress. I feel mm-hmm. like they have the, an equivalent. Or like Martin Scorsese's thing that he's putting all the old movies together. Yeah. 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 That kind of thing. So like that's you know, definitely an, an interesting, when you know that, and then you watch the movie for me, I was definitely watching the movie with, okay, why did, the Chinese government, you know, want to censor this. And yeah. We kind of, I, at the end, I was kind of like, well, it seems, it's it just, again, by today's standards as its own movie, it seems very, very tame in comparison to other dramas that we're used to seeing. But again, you guys reminded still me. still more tense than a lot of dramas I see now. Yeah. But like, you guys reminded me, like, it, it, it the subject matter uh, and the way that women were portrayed in marriage. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Even but, in the United States, it'd still be pretty inflammatory. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So let's start with, uh, Vanessa, give us and your I overall feel like thoughts. This movie came out in China now, like, and <laughs> it'd be inflammatory. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. probably. Uh, so overall thoughts: Spring in a Small Town came out in 1948, black and white film. We watched it. Subtitles. What'd you think? First <laughs> things first. I just want to say it is actually it's actually really beautifully shot. Yeah, a lot really of is. the yeah. choices made. Like one of the things that got me was right in the beginning when we first meet this lead character, who's this person. I mean, not the lead character. The lead character's husband, mm-hmm. who is this man who's come from generations of wealth, and his family estate burned down on his watch. Essentially. Uh, they push through a shot of a broken wall into yeah. him. So yeah. it's they they frame his state of mind so well. And the way they frame conversations in this movie, they it was a lot of intentional choices. Uh, and yeah. that's not really something I saw a lot of in the 40s where it was a lot of like, we're just getting this in the wide. Mm-hmm. It's super it, intentional and yeah. also like the metaphor like is very obvious, but I'm not mad about it. Yeah. It's not, it's spelling it out a little bit, but not in a bad way. It's spelling it out in a way where a lot of the characters don't really, there's so much voiceover because a lot of the characters don't really talk too much. A lot of the exposition happens in the tension, Mm -hmm. uh, which is one of the things. Very sparse musically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which also adds to the tension. It makes you sit in it. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I, I, I like that this is from the 1940s and the tension still holds now. That's Mm -hmm. why we're sweaty, I think. That's probably... I'm also always sweaty. Always. Uh, Hector's sat next to me on set. I'm damp all the time. I can't sit in front of a microphone without sweating profusely. (laughs) (laughs) It's a problem. That is Keller's thing. I gotta make sure I'm wearing the right shirt before I do this podcast. To to your defense, guys, uh, to our defense, like, there's been no AC in here today. Mm -hmm. I don't know why we didn't have it turned on during the movie. We always have to... We try to remember to turn it off before we start recording the podcast. Mm -hmm. And also, when we're we're on the set, Vanessa, those lights are hot. 
Yeah, for, that's hot lights. They're hot, hot set. lights. It's a hot set. That's true. Hot set. You guys are oh, I was like a little warm. Lights. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did like about this movie though was it took everybody in a very very like fraught scenario where it was like this woman in a marriage that she didn't really want to be in in the first place and Mm -hmm. this man who's feeling a lot of guilt and projecting it onto his wife and then you have this person that was in both of their lives for her romantically for him as a friendship and separately and and separately Mm -hmm. and it's taking like all of this bubbled up we should have had these conversation long ago moments but it doesn't villainize anyone Mm -hmm. no uh, yeah, the, the husband, you feel awful for the, everybody. All you of do. Them. The husband who is sick, who is, I feel like in a lot of other movies would, it's almost like a, um, like a James Marsden role yeah. or James Marsden in the notebook, in the X-Men <clears throat> movies, in, in so many movies and is projects for the triangle Superman returns. He's yeah. the third guy who's like in the way of the two other characters who Enchanted. truly belong together. Enchanted. It's like, <laughs> get out of the way for Patrick Dempsey to get yeah. with James Marsden, to get with Amy Adams. But he's, he's good at playing that role. But in, in some of those cases, like he is a little bit. I don't want to say villainized, but we're definitely rooting against him. But in this yeah. movie, the, the the husband who is sick feels ashamed of being sick. He feels like he's not worthy of his wife. And but also yeah. half he tries the time to, they're like, is he really sick or is he just living in like, his depression? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. so like really his sick, friend. But it's just who, like, what is the nature of his sickness? Yeah. His childhood friend who comes and, and who his wife ends up having feelings and for. And is a doctor is the doctor and he keeps saying like he'll be fine like he keeps saying like it's not that bad your illness is not that but just take care he's of your got heart a problem with his yeah. heart and, like it's this very vague illness it's like don't go eh, on long runs yeah you'll be fine just kind of just take care of yourself but but go. not villainized to your yeah point. yeah and a lot of the times it's usually like we'll get out of the way they loved each other first or mm-hmm. it what i was telling hector is it reminded me of casablanca where it's like all three people in the love triangle no one particularly jilted anyone else. It was just this circumstance of wartime that made everybody yeah. make choices that you they right. had know if to you're make ever very quickly. See somebody again, right. like yeah. yeah, and then it's been ten years, so she got married because mm-hmm. she had to. Yeah, mm-hmm. at, and that's what you're supposed to do. Exactly. And, and at one point in the movie, uh, the main um, husband character has a younger sister who's sixteen, yep. and he thinks that his sixteen-year-old sister likes and have has has feelings for his friend yeah who's 26 ish who's 26 ish and he's <clears throat> right because the younger sister kind of does feel that way she kind of like likes spending time with him and looks yeah. up towards him and stuff so the husband's trying to set up his younger sister with um his friend so he's telling his wife and his wife has feelings for that same friend and he's telling her like hey can you go talk to him and see if he'd be interested in like my sister you know, if he could just wait a couple of years until she is like 18 or whatever, and then maybe they can get married, date and get married. And she goes, well, do you think he will wait for her? Yeah. You know, because he, and that reminded me, I'm like, yeah, that's just the same circumstances that, that yeah. she went through with him yeah. years ago and the circumstances of their situation within the war happening and everything. So, yeah, that's what that reminded me of. Uh, and like one of the things that they also pointed out that I found really interesting was the whole time they keep talking about the little sister. Like she lives in her own little world. She lives in her own little world. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really know what's happening. And also going to put her up for marriage next year. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And like it, it's this reflection of what probably happened to your main character. Cause they were talking about how she was 16 when, mm. uh, this man initially left. Yeah. So she's also watching this happen to this girl that she's lived with forever. It's like, you're the same age I was and people are already making choices for you before you even got to, Mm -hmm. they're asking someone to play matchmaker for her when you're still very literally a child, when she's Mm -hmm. still very literally a child. And when she was a child herself, she couldn't make the choice she wanted to because it very much relied on parental Mm -hmm. approval so much. 
And because her mother disapproved of. Yeah. This, I'm so bad at this. It's name. really interesting. Yeah. Um, so the main character you have is Yuan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then, then Zhang. Uh, yeah, that's the uh, stranger oh, from the out stranger. of town. Yeah, and Leanne. Yeah. Leanne is the husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Shen, you have the... Yes. Yeah. And uh, But yeah, the whole time you're being told that this little girl is clueless and she doesn't really understand. And towards the end, you kind of realize, oh no, she fully understands. Yeah, she's just like, I'm going to do my own thing, but mm-hmm. y'all got to deal with your shit. Yeah, <laughs> right at the end, she's like, hey, do you have feelings for this guy? Like she, she pointedly asked her sister-in-law. With such tenderness yeah. and not even in like an accusatory way, yeah. but just questions. And I realized in that moment, there are no villains in this movie. No. Right. There's not a single villain. There's not an antagonist. It's circumstances mm-hmm. that have are been the, the thing they've the been war fighting against. is the villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There are circumstances. The circumstances yeah. are the villain. Which is probably why I get banned. Yeah. <laughs> Keller, what were your overall thoughts on Spring in a Small Town? I thought this, I thought it was a great movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did look beautiful. The sound was bonkers. Mm-hmm. It, just hearing pops and crackles and mm-hmm. white noise all the time. Hector fell asleep multiple mm-hmm. times. <laughs> it's That's the white, it's the white noise. It's the white noise. It's a white noise. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but it's cool that it was on Amazon Prime. Like people can just yeah. watch it. And everybody yeah. like, I was reading something about it. And it's like, this movie is much more all about gestures. Everything was a lot more big and this is like everything's pretty subtle yeah Yeah. like yeah which i was it's it's theatrical and like in a in a stage way but it's not um no it's 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 melodramatic but it's still very subtle there's a lot of subtlety there's a lot of of little moves and little you know the way that the actors uh will will do the blocking you're like oh this tells us so much about the character the way that she's reacting to him they're touching elbows yeah or like she'll smile at this person but she won't smile at this person Mm -hmm. or the way she responds to touch or there's one moment that came up where before we even realized that they had some kind of romantic history with each other he touches her elbow and she stares down at her elbow and just lingers at the area for before a little bit moving her elbow. Yeah. before moving yeah. it away. Yep. And it's, I, we grew up in a culture where we're kind of like save as opposed to show. Like I don't really show my feelings. I just kind of say like, Hey, this sucks or yeah. Hey, I like you. And I love that this is, it holds up in a way to where I can watch it and lean in and understand the subtle movements and cues just based on and how it's edited together. Really show their affection. Yeah. For, like when, uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I just forgot his name again. Pull him up. When Pull him Zhang up on your phone. Shows up. Yeah. And meets Leanne again. Mm-hmm. They are like hugging and like holding hands and like touching each other a whole bunch and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. It's yeah. interesting because this whole time you've seen him be so cold to his wife and his Ex- wife is so cold to him. And then they meet this stranger and both of them are touching and hugging and holding hands and yeah, smiling yeah, yeah. at him. So it's like, oh, they're not like this. They're yeah. not normally like this. This is just tension they've been living with for a decade. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what else on your overall thoughts, Keller? I thought all the performances were great. Mm-hmm. I thought the little sister character was kind of weird. <laughs> Because we were like, how old is she supposed to she be? Skips so yeah. much. She's, yeah. she's acting like she's six years old, but she looked like she was 25 as an actor. Yeah. And then it was like, we figured out throughout the movie, oh, she's supposed to be 16. So it's like, okay, that's pretty yeah. in the middle of that. I feel like for the era, it makes sense too. Because yeah. like, I feel like 16 year olds now, whenever we see them in movies, they're just like these tiny, wise sages. Yes. Yeah. That's, <laughs> they're all little Junos. And we're like, yeah. 16 year olds are 
dumb kids. They're, They're so dumb. Dummies. They're mm-hmm. so dumb. Oh, I man. I remember like me at sixteen. It's just like, didn't you try and smoke tea? Uh, Hell yeah! <laughs> didn't you like try and smoke chamomile, Vanessa? I'm all up on that. Oh great! We just we just watched uh, the Sandlot last night, and like those kid actors are great. And they're to me yeah. they're they're in my brain closer to what a sixteen year old is than like uh than what we saw in than than what you're describing like yeah. movies today. You know where where these kids are really they're twelve and thirteen, but they're kind of like ten going on thirteen. Like yeah. that's that's I kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. What else, Keller? I thought it was a great movie. Okay. I don't know if it, it probably does belong on the list, but I don't know if I, enough about Chinese cinema. He, so, exactly. We've, uh, we've talked about this exact same thing before. This is what I'm going to say. There are multiple things to say this is the greatest Chinese film of all time. I, I can see, like, I can see it historically being super it, but important, also, but just for doing this, we've it, seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yes. Fucking Bonkers. Amazing, amazing, and I. This just made me want to see more Chinese film. Yeah, this made me want to see more. I'm like, well, what's happening in the fifties? What's happening in the sixties? What's happening in the seventies? What's happening in the eight? Like, that's what I'm interested in. What's the movie that I'm thinking of? It's a Good Time for Love or something like that. Mm. Um, it's very like Jane Austen in its romance. Mm. I'm trying to remember. I think it's like it it's, it's a Good Time this. for Love. Uh, but there's a lot yeah, of this like is a Wuthering Heights. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is a very Wuthering Heights prize. And pr- the one I'm thinking of where it's a lot of like gray shoulders, long looks. I feel like I'm so bad at that stuff. <laughs> Societal nonsense and like Pride and Prejudice yeah. and Jane Austen yeah. books. And I think because it's so foreign to me that I love it when I'm just sitting there for two hours and I'm just like, kiss! <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was doing. Every time, every time... Uh, Nobody uh, kissed this whole movie. Not one person! I know. Nobody kissed. I know. And every time she would walk They were into, in the dark at candlelight, Ooh. like... Oh, very tense, circumstantial, very stuff. sexual. And tension. the most it got is like, I'm going to put my head on your shoulder. Yeah. Okay. Well, what if we ran away? What if I left? <gasps> that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, what if I, I killed my husband? <gasps> yeah. What? Why did I say that? That that stuff is so great. But yeah, this just made me want to experience more Chinese movies, Chinese filmmaking, Chinese stories. If this is something that is really, really historically important, I totally get it. You know, the, the same is true for a bunch of movies, like even like Casablanca, which is a classic and one of the greatest movies I of think all time. That holds up. It's my number one. It's your number one of all time. time. Mm-hmm. It's something that I just can't connect with. Maybe because it is too old. You got to do it again. But I, last time you saw Casablanca, we'll watch it again on this. list. Maybe and like two thousand old men and be like twelve, two thousand thirteen, right or Here's something. Here's the interesting thing about Casablanca. Yeah, here it is. I find every year of your life that you watch it, it strikes a chord with a different part different. of your life, See, and it becomes historically relevant again every five years. That's a sign of a great film. That's a sign of a great piece of art. And so I'm yeah. looking forward to and that. I want to see... Sally just, you know, perpetuated yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, well, like, um, yeah. No, go ahead. I was going to say, every time I've rewatched Casablanca, I've cried at a different part of the movie. Mm. Like, because before it was like, oh God, she doesn't go with Rick. And then it was, oh God. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> Right. Uh, or <laughs> spoiler alert, it's in black and white. Uh, oh, or uh, it'd it be, oh God, uh, she met him at the worst time in his life. And then I watched it again a year post election mm. uh, and then cried even earlier in the movie in that scene where uh, they all stand up, even though they're currently like, there's a bunch of like uh, Nazis actually in the bar and they stand up and start singing the French national anthem yep. at them. Yep. Yeah. And so. 
that happen sooner. So every year of my life, I find a new There's thing new with things. that movie that resonates Man, with me. And it's one of those where it gets better when you get older. Sad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's how I am with Avengers Endgame. Every time I yeah. watched Avengers Endgame, I yeah. cried at a different thing. I was like, oh, he's handing yeah. off the shield. And, oh, this part that's and that the part. exact yeah. same. It's exact also same funnier same. every year. Yeah. Casablanca is a really funny movie. Other thing Endgame is like. Both are really funny. I can't. I don't know <clears> what the oldest film that I love. I need is. your overall thoughts on this one. I'll, okay, I'll, I'll I'll circle back to that. My overall thoughts are: I think that this is an incredibly well-made movie. Yes, I think that it uh, influenced. I'm sure a lot of Chinese cinema, and I think it's super cool and important that it it had a resurgence in film history. Like this is something that I could have very easily just never heard of, and now it's yeah. just on Prime. Never heard of it. Now I'm aware of it. You know, now I now I've experienced the acting in it and the emotion, and it's on Amazon Prime, which is cool. And and that and that China has like sort of circled back and and designated it as being very important. Mm-hmm. And Chinese filmmaking <clears throat> and filmmakers in China have said it's the greatest Chinese film ever made. And then it was remade in 2002. Yeah, a movie called. Called Springtime in a Small Town, which I'm really curious about. Like, I would watch yeah. it. I'm really interested to see how... Like, I wonder if they modernized it. Exactly. Or, or if they... Like, what's the same and is what's different? Is it the different? same war? Yes. The same time period. Like, does it take place in 48 or mm-hmm. is it in 2002 or whatever? But all of this to say, I personally didn't connect with it as much as I would other movies, mm-hmm. but I but, appreciated yeah, the heck the out of it. I don't ever need to see it again. But I, and I don't, and it's like, I don't want to say it shouldn't belong on the 500 greatest list of movies of all time, but I do want to say, I want to see more Chinese films. If the point is, well, we need to have the greatest Chinese film ever made. I'm like, I want, I don't know if that is the greatest. Well, that not even the greatest that, Chinese film ever made. Yeah. There needs to be more than more. the two that we've seen so exactly. far. Exactly. It's yeah. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon in this has yeah. been basically it. Yeah. Um, so, and that's cool that we've seen those two movies and Keller, you had never seen Crouching Tiger until no. we saw it. And I bought oh, cool. it and own it and yeah. it's great. And it's great. But, um, yeah, I just, I like, I want to see more. Like when we saw, we what need did to we like see? just repost the audio from Eric Calderon's episode. Yeah. Which is really good. On <laughs> Crouching Tiger. He, he like so, fucking goes into it and breaks it. And like yeah. breaks down how each character represents a different aspect of Buddhism. Yes, and like their all of their actions yes. are influenced by that, and even in the way that they fight is influenced by that. So our buddy Eric Calderon is a like animation showrunner. He's working mm. on the new Magic: The Gathering animated show right now. He was on our episode for this podcast when he came over to watch the movie Sideways. We attempted to start this podcast at the beginning of 2017, and, <laughs> and we watched did four, four episodes because Hector was like, "I want to do it videos and I want to add graphics," and he didn't do any of no, that. No, 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 no. And it got away from us. But in the in the first four, along with Ocean's Eleven and mm. Saw. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is in there. So we had our buddy Eric come over to watch it then. And he told us all the stuff and it like blew our minds. So then when we, when it got away from us and we decided to restart in 2018, I was like, Keller and I will just do the first four by ourselves. Yeah. And then we'll bring back those same guests to do different movies. So Eric came back to do Sideways, but. We rewatched just, it and had just, all that context. Just last night, Eric came over to pick up some, cause I'm selling some action figures and stuff. And he came over to buy, to grab some stuff. And, um, I told him that I had never seen, uh, uh, Neon Genesis. Neon Genesis Evangelion. Thank you. And he, like, just, again, just broke down, like... It's this. like, well, let me tell you the foundations of this. Like, they yeah. they probably don't even go into it that much in the yeah. show, but here's but, what it all means. But here's the Bible yeah. according the to Dead the Dead Sea Scrolls. Scrolls. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. And here's yep. all the stuff that they took out of it. He's like, anyway, that's the story of Genesis. So now that you have that, you can go and watch... It's basically Dan Brown. And I was like, <laughs> awesome. Anyway, that's cool to have a, a buddy like that. Oh, who, I love who, stuff like that. Who can, who can kind of break that stuff down in that way. Um, I was studying theology yeah. when I first watched Neon Genesis. So, like, seeing the two oh, coming shit. together yeah. was just oh. like, oh, my God. 
God. That is insane. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really, really you like, study itching theology to first. start that show. Do I need to? Yeah, go to Shit. college for theology. Okay, Become I'll a do minister. It. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's a part of me that did wish that I kind of did uh, because... Um, you wish you were religious? Because Eric said he was studying, he had like a minor in religious Religion. studies or mm-hmm. something when he was in college. And a part of me wishes I, I, I had some kind of a a degree or a study or a focus in like stories or ancient storytelling or like folklore or something so that when people talk about like superheroes and Hector, comic books, I could be like... never too late. It's not. I should just get into it. It really does... Help. It's interesting, not just help, but it makes you enjoy it a little bit more. Because, yep. like, yep. studying theology has made me enjoy uh, certain pieces of media, like Neon Genesis before. But I got really into cryptozoology a little bit before I got into horror. Cool. Oh, yeah. um, okay, then, who's more likely to exist, Bigfoot or Loch Ness? Oh, man, Loch Ness. Really? More likely? Yeah. I've thought about it really hard. Really? Uh, How? Break do you it down. Loch Ness monster not necessarily <clears throat> in Loch Ness or just a plesiosaur exists? Like yeah. a plesiosaur type that's like Loch Ness. Because like I've thought about it heavily. And so if you just break it down to like in cryptozoology, which animals people think are most likely to exist and which ones are more sighted, yeah. it tends to be underwater is where we typically find things that aren't extinct anymore. Yes. Like I think the extinct animal, yeah, exactly. And on the surface, the amount of animals that we seem to think are still alive don't actually happen. Like I think the closest we got was thinking that this thylacine, uh, was still around, which is a, um, Australian marsupial that looks like a zebra mixed with a dingo mixed with a kangaroo with a mouth that opens almost horizontal. Uh, what? Yeah, there's videos I've, of these existing. I've seen that. That's yeah. Real. And for the longest time people like, that. yeah, they're Tasmanian tigers. And for the longest time people were like, Oh, they're still around and it's been a decade and nothing. Mm-hmm. But oh. when it comes to underwater, like you said, things like yeah. the giant squid yep. or, or fish that were like, they're gone. But <clears throat> anytime there's a shift in tectonic plates, they exist. So, uh, Pacific Rim, they're coming out of whatever the fuck that thing is. <laughs> they're coming out of the gap. Oh, the coming out of the gap. Okay, cool. So, so in that way, a Loch Ness type creature. Which is creature, what Evangelion is, right? Yeah. Didn't they just oh, pretty did much. Pacific Rim rip off that? Oh no, uh, Guillermo del Toro said a lot of he Pacific Rim it. is very influenced by Neon Genesis. That's Which, awesome. Yeah, cool. I feel like Neon Neon Genesis basically influenced everything that's similar to that. If yeah, you see a giant robot. After. Sorry, that's yeah. what it is. That's what yeah. it is. Sorry. Oh, the Jaegers are absolutely based on the Ava because they're cool. owned, yeah, controlled by teenagers. But he wanted yeah. it's like pretty a, much. Man, when did Power Rangers come first or did this? Or Neon uh, Genesis? That's a good question. That's a good question. I want to say Vanessa? Neon Genesis, mm-hmm. but that's just because I'm not as versed in Power Rangers. But also, wasn't Gundam kind of the same thing? Well, wait a minute. Neon Genesis, I think, came out in Japan in 1995. Yeah. So I know Power Rangers was earlier than that, but yeah. it was. But in Japan, it was. Uh, what was it called? Shonen. What is it called in Japan? The 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 show that like that that Saban just like lifted and had. Actors be like, we're at Angel Grove, and then all the. Oh my god, actions. I know exactly which one you're the talking show. about, and it's bugging me that I can't remember the name of it. I have no show, idea. Sh- ca- ca- Kamen, Power Rangers. Kamen Raiders? No, whichever one was. It wasn't yeah. Big Bag Beetleboards. It was the opposite of that. Yeah. Um, but it was for my sure brother's like go to yeah. show, yeah, show yeah. for it, and he would always rant about it when he was just like, Sabin just lifted it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think Neon Genesis was the first one to like take it to like a serious wartime place. Mm. Oh, okay. Uh, and, like really deep, dig deep into theology. Really, like, 
dig deep into it, which is probably a lot of where Pacific Rim came from, where it was just like, let's not just have it as like, this is a thing that exists. It's this is wartime. Yeah. Mm, very cool. Very yeah. Cool. But also simplify the concepts of the Dead Sea Scrolls are less involved. Yeah. Yeah. So overall, <laughs> Spring in a Small Town, great film. Great yeah. film. I want to see more Chinese movies. I want to see um, Summer in a Big Town. Summer. That's a sequel. <laughs> summer in a Big Town. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. That's pretty good. A- anything else we can Hot talk about? Summer in the city. Uh, anything else we can say about Spring in a Small Town? One thing I really want to say about Spring in a Small Town is it, everything that I thought what it would end with, it did not. Yes. Um, I was also expecting a more cliched sort of, you know, an ending that I think that we're more used to. Yeah. I was expecting her running off with him or her making a dramatic gesture to stay with him. And I like that it was subtle enough that it was sometimes when we make a big choice, we don't have a giant declaration. It's just a shift in our perspectives. Yes. Because in the beginning of it, it was her thinking, well, if he died, everything would be better. If one of us mm-hmm. died, everything would be better. And, and, then, she, and now when she said that, she immediately regretted it. Yeah. But she was still like, I said it. She I said, said it out loud. The director loud. died three years later after Damn. making this movie. Yeah. And like... When she got essentially not what she so he wanted, never got to see this movie nope. become the cultural, <sighs> That's have so the sad. significance that it did. Yeah, That's so sad. And like when she got what she thought, not what she thought she wanted, but what she said might make things better, she realized that it wasn't actually the case. No, there's no easy fix for her situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and or I think any of their situation. No, exactly. You can't kill a buddy and or kill a buddy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't kill somebody. <laughs> And fix the situation. Yeah, it can't you kill can't your homie. You can't run away and mm-hmm. fix the situation. Mm-hmm. You can't, I don't know. Yeah. There's no easy fix. And I think that was the thing that shifted her perspective for her, where it was just like, well, this has been my home for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And him coming up the hilltop and joining her and leaving his hobble for a moment and having this other person leave without the two of them saying goodbye was very much like... All right, we're looking at things differently now. Let's yep. try again. Yep, that was a yeah, really powerful it's a restart. final like, shot. She like, yeah. walks up and she points at the view. Mm-hmm. And they're actually acknowledging each other for a moment and mm-hmm. actually making physical contact. It wasn't... Because the most it, physical contact was when he was dying. maybe dead and yeah. she like, was yeah. sobbing on him. And yeah. with a lot of movies, it's, I rededicate myself to you or I love him, not you. And in this, it's more like real life, which is... They both realize they got reset, shit to work through. Mm-hmm. Try again. Let's yeah. try again. Yeah. And I think it also works as a metaphor <laughs> for the country at the time where the, the whole time, you know, again, according to Wikipedia... The, the broken wall that they kept going the to is the most trusted source, yep. Wikipedia. But that wall that was like the city wall, the town wall, that was sort of bombed out and destroyed and kind of half built and half not. And people were like slowly putting bricks on it throughout, but kind yeah. of not. They kept meet that kept being a sort of meeting place. And that's where the main character where she would go and take walks almost every day with her groceries and just kind of walk by it before she went home because she didn't want to go home. That wall is where the final shot takes place with yeah. the two characters, with the but husband and wife. also where she kept meeting the other exactly. guy. Exactly. But when they're looking sort of past it, and it's almost like a sunrise or sunset mm-hmm. happening, that last, and shot. that last shot, it felt like it was a metaphor for the people of China being like, look, this is what we have to deal with. We got we got dealt a shitty hand, but let's reshift our focus. Let's yeah. move forward. Let's rebuild. Let's work on our marriage. Let's work on our relationships, so on and so forth. So I think all that worked, too. Yeah. it's Because yeah. a lot of the times... After after your life falls apart, whether it be something that just happens to you or something that happens war times wise, I don't want to say you intentionally live in the rubble, but also the rubble is comfortable because the rubble is the devil you know. Yeah. True. 
the rubble is what you're familiar with. It you know rubble. You don't know the disappointment of maybe rebuilding and not coming close, <laughs> or rebuilding mm-hmm. and going mm-hmm. very far from the direction you thought it was. And this is three people living in their rubble. Uh, the entire time living in mm-hmm. the mess that they know because anything else is scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and realizing there's no choice but to rebuild forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's her deciding, do I just want to leave this home and go in any direction or should I stay and build what has been home? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought that was a really beautiful message at the end of yeah. I'm staying. Yeah. Staying and rebuilding what's broken. The, the <laughs> husband had his fortune like go away and get basically get bombed out of existence yeah. or burned down in a fire for this home that was kept being described to us as being in shambles. And yet to me, maybe because it was just in black and white and I couldn't see things as, as well as if, if the movie had been more modern, like it looked like a nice house. They had like separate rooms and they had like, it was like burned down and stuff. a bunch of, yeah. it was burned, but, but it's all stuff that I'm like, I'm like, they had like, like gorgeous, you know, uh, like teapots and different, like, and like super nice you could things to extra bedrooms that no yeah. one's using. Yeah, absolutely. It's it, kind th- of like, to me, I was like, I was like, you guys are, are well off enough to kind of, to kind of keep going. You and can then, rebuild you know, from here. The husband, again, just getting up out of his bed at the end of the film and walking towards her near the wall was Deciding like, not to live in his yeah. illness. So I was like, yeah. oh, maybe the husband like, will be able to contribute to the family and be like, what, what can we, what can we do? You know, what can we do from here? Cause yeah. like, it's interesting. Cause I'll meet people now where they're like, man, you should have met me when I was killing it a few years ago. You should have met me dead. I'm like, I know you now. Yeah. I don't know who that is. So I don't have, and in this case, it's the same thing with their house where it's like, you should have seen this house in its heyday. I don't know that house. Yeah. I know this house. It's Make nice, this house good. Yeah. Nice, nice house. It's a very nice house. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if y'all haven't seen it, go check out spring in a small town. <laughs> Really interesting movie, really emotional film. Only surprisingly, an hour and a half long. only an hour and thirty minutes long, and it is a surprisingly like uh, I don't want to say the word salacious, but again, we were yelling at the TV like "kiss." Just are they going to have sex? Are yeah. they going to have sex? Yeah. That was just me. That was just me. Every scene asking. I mean, I, many scenes. I was yeah. just kind of like, oh my god, if it doesn't happen now, you are this close to a bed. <laughs> yeah, it was always nighttime. It was midnight. Oh. The lights would go out. She was and fixing his sheets. Ever happened. Fixing his sheets. Very sexy. I brought yeah. extra he, sheets. Remember when he scooped her up, picked her up, and we were like, <gasps> just set happen. her back down. And then he like put her back down. Yeah. It was literally just overcome with emotion, and then no, no, I can't. <laughs> You're just, married. Scooped her up. Yeah, exactly. All right, now we've come to the point in the podcast. <laughs> Vanessa, we're going to ask you what movie out of every movie ever made would every you like to contribute? I went through so many in my head. To the 500 greatest I went, movies. I want to hear time. five of them, please. Yeah, give us some top, give it like, build us up towards your, what were you thinking of, and then tell us which one you landed I'm on. I'm really happy with the one I ended up with. Okay. But uh, firstly, the one I was thinking of was gremlins too uh we don't even have gremlins the first i actually prefer the second to the first one uh (laughs) just because i think it's just like the most perfect criticism and reflection of the time in the 80s and also just in general like a director being pushed to make a sequel but having full creative control and gremlins (laughs) 2 is what happens when you gremlins 2 is what happens when you give someone full creative control wow uh and let them go nuts and allow them to not even make a commentary on their movie but make a commentary of their own work and their own work societal impact. It's insane. <laughs> is is it close to what the Key and Peel sketch describes, where it seemed like it was a 80s script doctor who comes Coke in filled. and just lets any Coke writer filled. be like, you're just going to list a gremlin. How about electricity gremlin? Did you just say a word and then the word gremlin? That's the hilarious part of it, because that <laughs> sketch on the surface is what it looks like. Yeah. And then you watch the first movie and you think about how this became the thing that like... 
essentially made what all creature features for the rest of time was yes. going to be like. Are you putting together uh, the oral history of Gremlins too? I'm probably going to. <laughs> uh, if anybody would, it be me. Uh, be amazing. I'd pretty much. I'd read it. Because it's like, imagine you create something that's in the zeitgeist forever, and then they ask you to make another, and you want full creative control, but you also want to essentially do an essay of your effect on And it's culture. like, I got to make sure this ends up in the zeitgeist somehow. Wow. And it did. And Gremlins too is very much like up and not. I know what I did, and it's it's it even has moments where it's just kind of like a commentary on like criticism culture at the time. Gremlins two is incredible, but and I was gonna put it on there, but uh, it's a great runner up. It's it's a great runner up. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the other one I was thinking of was Don't Look Up because we were talking about movies that make you want to watch other movies, and Don't Look Up is a big one for J horror. Um, is this Japanese <clears throat> horror? Yes. What is Don't Look Up? It's a Japanese film? Yes. Cool. Don't Look Up is the same director who did The Ring. Okay. Um, when you watch Don't Look Up, you can watch a lot of the same... The Japanese version um, of The Ring? Yes. Okay. So Ringu. Not Gore Verbinski? Y- yeah. <laughs> right. You could see a lot of the elements that he ended up putting in The Ring anyway, um, but it's very much like quintessential Japanese horror, and it set a lot of the building blocks that not only he himself used, but a lot of people... J horror ended up going with. Mm, okay, so okay. don't look up as a runner up. Okay, what, okay. what's the plot of Don't Look Up? Because I know the plot of The Ring. The plot of Don't Look Up is why sometimes on set you'll see me look up and wince. Uh, what is it? It's still like it sits with me. You see demons. Uh, right. The plot of Don't Look Up is this director who's working on this low budget period piece film set, uh, and there this seems to be awesome. a haunting where there's a woman standing in the light grids above the set because the whole bottom is a period piece set. But when you look up, it's like the foam and the walkways. And and, uh, every once in a while, you'll see an actor in the middle of a scene look up and hold. And they don't really know what they're looking at. They're just stuck in that moment. Uh, And I don't want to like give away too much. Um, I want to see late seventies, early eighties, late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, and this director still directed Ringu in like the nineties. Yeah, cool. Don't look up is terrifying, dude. It's really good. And the thing is, it's not. It's the thing I love about Japanese horror is they don't want to show you the monster immediately in a lot of ghost right, movies. Right. They'll just give you just enough to where you're just like, wait, what? Someone looking up and freezing. Yeah. It's yeah. like an echo hanging on a little bit too long. They or, do. They, ja- yeah. Japanese horror does ghosts very well. And Don't Look Up is great. Oh, it's a great man. ghost movie. It's all atmosphere movie. rather than showing It's all you the atmosphere. It's, it's just, so good. Some great picks. All right. The best is this, kind of, I don't like... The other kinds of scary movies, like I'm what? Just violent scary movies? Yeah, I don't like violent scary. It's movies. not overly violent, except for one moment, and it's just like a real moment mm-hmm. instead of just like a gore moment. Cool. Uh, Sandbag falls on a guy's head. Yeah, <laughs> you hate to see it happen. Somebody says Anvil. Macbeth. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> the ghost and kills him. The one I ended up on is like nothing of these, but it's been so important to me since I've what seen it. Is it? And it's a documentary. Yes. Giuseppe makes any. a movie. What Ooh, is it? Giuseppe makes Giuseppe a movie. Makes a movie. Is that it's G-I-U-S-S-E-P? Um, yeah, how do you spell Giuseppe? G-I-U-S-P-P-E, I believe. So I might have gotten the spelling wrong. It's either two S's or two P's. Yeah. So y'all know who Giuseppe Andrews is? Mm-mm. So if you look up Giuseppe Andrews, um, he was in Detroit Rock City. Okay. Um, if you look up his childhood filmography, it's bonkers. Um, so yeah, you have the spelling right in there. So... 
a lot of the times whenever someone I'm seeing wants to show me a movie that they say is going to change my life, chances are it's going to be Fight Club and then I'm annoyed. Uh, Wait, does your life change every single time? Pretty, like, my life you changes see this insane to movie? Uh, severely more annoyed. Pr- pretty much. And like, it's always like Fight Club oh, or Boondock Saints. Real fast? Uh, oh my God, is just, it in here? Just wait. Just wait. I have to show you something real fast. I want to oh, see yeah. this I list. have to go to number, eight on, number 10 on this list in the top 500 greatest films of all time and show you that it's Fight Club. Oh, my God. It's the 10th greatest movie of all time. Do you know that? I mean, I'm happy Singing in the Rain is on there because it's in my top five. But, but, like, but check out the top look 10 Look at the right rest now. of them. Godfather's number one. I won't even flip the page. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's Fight Club. <laughs> Fucking Fight Club is up there. It's <coughs> what ranked, is this list? It's two ranks better than The Apartment. Uh, <sighs> it's better than Chinatown. Chinatown's great, but I don't love it. I'll it's allegedly you. better than Raging Bull. Raging yes. Bull. I'll tell you what this list is. <gasps> it's number, all like number 15, it's all, like The Dark Knight. The movie we watched today, I think I might like better than Fight Club. Yeah. <laughs> Fight Club just feels too gross. To How me. is yeah. Fight Club above yeah. Casablanca? Yep. Here's what this list is, Vanessa. Here's what this list is. Is a list compiled by 10,000 readers of Empire Magazine in 2008. As well as a bunch of directors, yes, and critics. Like and 150 directors, critics, producers, producers. People who work in the film yes, industry. 150 versus 10,000. Most of them were the readers. And the readers of Empire Magazine in 2008, and still probably today, are mostly going to be film bros. Film That's what bros. the audience is. Of course of this. it is, because yeah. Evil Dead 2 is above <laughs> Army of Darkness. <laughs> Evil Dead is Army of Darkness on this list? I don't, I don't even, even know it's dude, a, on this even, list. I don't even Evil know. Evil Dead if, 2 is above, like, fucking Lawrence of Arabia. Here's yeah. the thing, though. I love Evil Dead 2. Like, yeah. this movie's going to prove my... I'm Army, not Army that of much Darkness of a movie. is on here. It's number 372. That should be okay. above Evil Dead for me. Uh, I love Army of Darkness more than Evil Dead, because I think Army of Darkness, kind of like Gremlins do, is like, that now we're self-aware. fucking insane. The concept of Army of Dar- Darkness is, Army of Darkness is another one of my faves. Yeah, that movie's um, great. Me and Hector watched it for, why did we watch that? We watched it for a reason. I went to go see it on a triple feature at the Egyptian of Waxwork, Army of Darkness, and The Beyond. Uh, so it was like an all in 35 millimeter because like that's bliss what's for me. The, uh, what's the similarity there? What's um, the tying factor? They're all horror movies. Okay. None of them have a tie-in okay. factor, okay. which is even funnier. The same. None of them Nothing. have a tie-in because Army of Dark, The Beyond is like serious, I terrifying. Think. I th- It's like it's Italian horror. Um, so, and a lot My of it, only reference for <clears throat> Italian horror is Suspiria. Th- that's a good one. Cause mm-hmm. Italian horror is basically just like deeply nihilistic and it's not world ending, but it's just kind of like, well, this is happening. Yeah. And then wax work is like your typical, it's actually starring the kid from gremlins and it's like your typical eighties insane effects vignettes type horror. And then you have army of darkness and there's no tie-ins. They're just fun for horror. Yeah. Okay, cool. But Giuseppe makes a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Giuseppe Andrews, he was in Detroit rock city. Uh, he was in a lot of movies as a kid. He had like a good career going on as a child star. Mm-hmm. Hated it. Mm. Uh, as most Fair. child stars do um just utterly snapped lived in his car in malibu for a while Ugh. and giuseppe makes place a place to live in your car let's be it's real. actually he talks about why it's a great place to live in his car because people thought he was cool all the time and he's like no i live in my parking lot but i just told people i lived in malibu hell yeah uh but giuseppe makes a movie is why i love movies and why i also think b movies and terrible movies have its place mm-hmm. uh because he found comfort in taking 
these crappy little DV cameras and filming the people in his trailer park in Ventura and Oxnard, California. Uh, and these insane, his scripts, he would just scribble onto a piece of paper and then take these people that society didn't want to look at, whether they be drunk or insane or older or or just kind of weird and have them in movies where they barely know the lines. The shots are very much him jumping around a bed. Uh, and, and they're just things that he just puts out onto a DVD and he doesn't really care who sees them. They're just for him. Just for him to make. They're completely just for him to make. And this community, this trailer part, and they're the most like unsavory, deeply gross. Well, because it's also a lot of like, it's almost like high pulp, a lot of like guns and blood and and, and boobs and weird concepts. Like super, super low budget grindhouse. Super low budget grindhouse. Not even grindhouse. Grindhouse is giving it a high budget. These are two people in a hotel room and one's dressed like a cow. Like, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they also don't really know what's going on. You know what I'm in. It's, it's like the budget is maybe $4 at the most. Hell yeah. The actors are paid in forties. Uh, and not dollars, booze. <laughs> but this trailer park is kind of like bills. Oh, Mickey's booze. That's cool. And this trailer park is almost kind of healed by this because mm-hmm. they're so used to being not acknowledged and by building people. Building a community within. Yeah, it. yeah. I bet a bunch of those people didn't even talk to each they other don't, before that, and they That's love each awesome. other so much. And they're like a really low budget version of like the Dreamland crew from for John Waters or like these directors that like mm-hmm. found these people that they really love and love working with or this, Kermit and the Muppets. Exactly. Yes. They're exactly. these trailer park Muppets that yeah. adore right each other. And yeah. it's so weird and surreal. But the thing that is uniting them all is how much they love this and just love doing it just, just for them. Out. Wow. And Giuseppe makes a movie is a documentary where afterwards I was just kind of like, Oh my God, I'm never going to look at filmmaking the same way again. Wow. Cause no matter what kind of budget I have or any of these things, it's like, do I love it? Cause if I don't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's in, why it's such an important documentary anything? to me. It's why are we yeah. doing any of this? That's and great. it's my favorite documentary. Yeah, I just looked up Giuseppe Andrews, who you said was a <clears throat> was a famous sort of child actor, and sure enough, he was in like uh, 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 Independence Day yep. and all these other movies as this young kid actor. I remember seeing him when I was a kid, and I was yep. like, he is a handsome kid. He's very handsome. I'm sure he's 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 kind of like a he was like a teen heartthrob, and it felt oh, like was. a they were trying to make him like a Jonathan Taylor Thomas mm-hmm. or like a you know like like a Joseph Gordon Levitt. It looks very similar and kind of has a similar sort of sort of vibe Devin about him. Sawa. Devin Sawa, but it's <laughs> yeah. uh, it's it's cool that he was able to to uh, uh, be a part of a, a documentary like that and find a love after a, I'm sure was a very cynical Hollywood experience. A very yeah. cynical Hollywood yeah. experience. And this was the first movie where someone I was dating was like, do you want to see something interesting? And I was just like, Oh my God, this is actually, this is actually incredible. <laughs> it's not fight club. It's not yeah. fight club. It's something life changing. Even and just he's like, and now that I've shown you this movie, I want to show you fight club. Yeah. Have you ever seen a fight <laughs> yeah. club? Because Giuseppe makes a movie. This great, movie but... made me love fight club. This, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Giuseppe makes a movie. You can tell Edward Norton is having a great time. It's really, that's what it's all about. Fincher's a genius. Um, I'm having Robert a great time because the whole movie feels like a cockroach. Yeah. Giuseppe <laughs> <laughs> makes a movie as a cockroach. That's a fantastic, you that's a fantastic, yes. fantastic pick. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you would consider to be the best horror movies of all time. Best horror movies because, of all time. Because, again, before we started. Do you have a started, favorite horror movie of all time? God, that's really tough. 
it's tough. Okay, let's let's try to break it down in a couple because different areas. Because there's all the different, yeah, we got J-horror. Because I liked how you broke down A24 the, the fact that just her seeing, again, just Vanessa seeing horror. Saw made her go, ugh, our generation. Self-referential had, slasher horror. Had, I'm just trying to think of all the crappy, genres you've named. All the genres. <laughs> well, I was going more eras because I feel like <laughs> horror in the 70s is different than the 80s is different than the 90s is yeah. different than the 2000s. But even then there's things within those, have, like yes. apparently that yeah. Don't Look Up was made at the same time that bullshit yeah. was being made here. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have like Italian nihilistic horror, yeah. uh, like anything Fulci, like Zombie or uh, The Beyond or, man, I'd say... Do you have a podcast called Anything Fulci? <laughs> <laughs> I would, but it'd be mostly just making uh, noises every few seconds Hell where it's yeah. just like, that's brilliant. Uh, that's really gross. Uh, man. Okay. I'd say I have such a love for slashers, even though everything about slashers I should not enjoy because mm-hmm. it's very much just like the virginal girl lives, but I think... Mm-hmm. I've ended up like reclaiming the final girl thing, but I'd say if I had to like pick a five for like, here's an interesting breakdown to like learn about horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, I don't give a, I don't care how cliche it is. Halloween. Yeah. Uh, it's it's amazing. It's great. It's incredible. Yeah, Every, we watched that for this list and mm-hmm. unfortunately it's in the bottom 500 or yeah, 100. It's in the bottom 50. It's in the bottom 500 It's bonkers movies. to me. But, but by the time we got to Halloween, it, this was last year in 2018, it was around October. So and we were really, also watching Scream around that time. Yeah. And that was a God, that's so crazy to watch them back to back. Yeah. <laughs> Just watching what started it and what references it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And in the opposite order. Yeah. Yeah, because Halloween was ranked higher than higher than uh, Scream. Not yeah. that not that these are ranked against each other. Again, the way that they compiled it is everybody just wrote in their top ten movies, and then they just sort of compiled. They weren't like, well, is this movie really better than this movie? We have to move it around. They just compiled because number yeah. five hundred is Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, yeah. Well, because the thing is, Halloween saved horror. It mm. saved the genre. The genre was with no dying. Money. Yeah. With no money, Halloween single-handedly not only started a new era, it saved an entire genre. Wasn't it wow. in theaters for like a year or something? Yeah. yeah like, because up until that point, there had been like a dead period for horror. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of like these super pulpy, high concept, kind of like very gross, heavy cornstarch kind of horror movies mm-hmm. beforehand. And they were very much relegated to like, well, they're Grindhouse. They're for like the shit mm-hmm. kids that can't afford that much money. So they just like go watch some trash on the weekends. Yeah. Um, and then before that, you had like a lot of like the universal horror. Mm-hmm. So what me- most people considered at that moment to be like that was a zenith that's when it was good and then we're just kind of in this like gross era now and then after this long box office death where we had gone like summer after summer uh without really anything horror movies in what theaters was Hall- or Halloween? <clears throat> 79 79 i believe okay, 79 because it like kicked it off for the 80s yeah but yeah but alien but like was sci-fi sci-fi horror, horror right, yeah. right right so right, you right, can right. lean more on the sci-fi yeah horror and halloween was like the birth of that slashers movement yeah, yeah. And every single moment from the way it's shot to the way it's paced to the movement of the shape, like people have their own mythos by the time it starts because of just the way Loomis talks about Mike Myers to the moment that his mask comes off for a second. People make up stuff about what's on his face all the time, but it's just a normal looking guy. Yeah. If you look at that scene on its own, people are like, he's disfigured. He's scarred. His eyes are crazy. They're both. He's just a normal guy. Yeah. But by that point, Carpenter has you buying into the Mike Myers mythos so much. You're trying to fill in the gaps and and it still happens. Just a few lines in music and a way guys standing there. Yeah. Cause even just, even now, like with what I said, like a lot of this A24 horror, you've seen a resurgence of synth and horror. Well, we got to ask how uh, you feel about the new Halloween. Yeah. I 
The thing is, I'm also, again, because if Giuseppe makes a movie, I'm not always 100% pure. One of my favorite Halloween movies is Halloween 3, which is what most people consider to be the oh, worst yeah, one. Yeah. Season yeah. of the Witch. Uh, Season of the Witch. I love yeah. Season of the Witch. Mm-hmm. I thought the new Halloween was fun. I even liked Rob Zombie, even though like I didn't like the whole movie. I liked his ideas behind it. Mm-hmm. I liked cool. his take for what like Mike Myers came so, from. So you're in for the whole Halloween franchise. I'm in for the whole franchise, yeah. but like the Rob first Zombie movie obviously is... obviously loved the original when he made right. his. Clearly. Right. And like the it's really interesting story. thing is... Love story, love letter <laughs> it's funny to see how many directors can't really touch carpenter in certain things because mm-hmm. like i read out the concept of a 24 r and it's really brought back the synth that uh carpenter put in a horror yeah you see it in it follows you see stranger it things. in stranger things but the thing a lot of people now that are trying to do the carpenter riff don't realize is that the simplicity of that fucking synth not just simplicity carpenter scores have a melody Mm-hmm. Even if it's synth, there's a melody. Mm-hmm. No one now realizes that, so it's just tones. It's just pads. Yeah. It's just tones and pads. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Halloween. There's like a single note melody happening at yes. all times. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Halloween, Shaun of the Dead. Oh, fucking Shaun sure. of the Dead's amazing. Classic. Absolutely Shaun of the Dead because yeah. it's a, so much when you see like, as much as I love scary movie, uh, I feel like a lot of horror comedies don't really have a lot of the horror in their comedy. And Shaun right. of the Dead isn't like leaning hard into the joke. Yeah. Like it's yeah. all pretty circumstantial, situational. Mm-hmm. It's still high tension. It's yeah. still like very terrifying in those moments. Mm-hmm. Like that scene where that guy gets dragged through the window and they like like start like eating him from the inside. That's yeah. horrifying. Yeah. That messed me up for a while, but it's still too. hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that movie. Uh, Cabin in the Woods, because I feel like without Cabin in the Woods, we wouldn't have this era of A24 horror. <laughs> Cabin, okay, in, the, cool, cabin cool. in the Woods That's kicked a, that off. It's a clean slate, mm-hmm. yeah. basically. It's mm-hmm. like, here's everything that we've done before. Wiped. You guys can't do it anymore. Yeah. Yep. And we're going to end with a giant foot. And that's why the nun didn't work, because it's the same thing. Yeah. Mm. Or it's just like, but Cabin in the Woods did it in a way where it was just kind of like, this is the genre, all bets are off, go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, man, this is tough, because when it comes to the universal monsters, I don't really know which one to pick, but I'd probably go with uh, Creature. Richard uh, from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. cool. Uh, would you would you consider the Shape of Water horror? Not really. Yeah. I, I consider it more of a romance. Say it's horror, even if it yeah. is like. I would say it's like a dark romance. It's like a rated R Hellboy. It's like a Tim yeah. Burton in, yeah. uh, tone thing. Yeah, and Hellboy's not. I would yeah. say any Tim like Burton movies are horror movies, but they're yeah. like but they're not Batman two. They're disgusting. they're scary, yeah. spooky kids movies. Yeah, a lot in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. The Shape of Water, even though it's rated R and they and they they bone, it's not. Yeah. Uh, it's I wouldn't consider it horror. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But creature, but the original creature from the black. The original Dude. creature, one you of would. my favorites. Oh man, you know. A couple of years ago, when they came out with that terrible mummy movie How with Tom Cruise, Black Lagoon Creature from Swamp Thing. What are they the same thing? Uh, they're I pretty think different. They're, I think they're different. Swamp okay, Thing one is far more sentient. Okay. Yeah, Creature from the Black Lagoon is just like an animal, basically, yeah. kind of a thing. He's yeah. a straight up creature. And in Shape of Water and in Swamp Thing, like the creature is like is able to, to think and feel and love. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Okay. And Swamp Thing used to be a man that was mutated into mm-hmm. that, uh, maybe. So um, a couple years ago when they came out with the Mummy movie with Tom Cruise that I had, still haven't seen because everybody says the it's real, real bad. Universe. They They try to start the Dark Universe. Universal put out this amazing trailer that was kicking off the Dark Universe, and all it had was, it was like a modern cut trailer, so it was like, good yeah and all it had was footage and sound clips from all of the universal horror 
like monster films, like yeah. Dracula, Wolfman, you know, Invisible Man, The Mummy, The Creature from the Black Lagoon. And it, and I've never seen any of them to this day. And that made me want to watch them more than anything else I have ever yeah. experienced because the trailer made them all look so epic creepy and, and scary, creepy. Like and they, since, since they were iconic and they were all black and white. And my first thought after I saw that was, man, this Tom Cruise Mummy movie and this whole new franchise they're trying to start should have been in black and white. To make them super different and or like even make it start in black and white something, but yeah. then but then somebody told me they're like, look, man, even if they wanted to, even if they, because you know how like every major franchise right now is trying to come out with a, well, this is what we do, this is how this is how our movies look, this is what separates our movies from like Marvel movies or Star Wars movies or whatever. Um, somebody told me, Hector, even if they wanted to make these modern Tom Cruise starring movies in black and white, and then later with Russell Crowe and then Javier Bardem and Johnny Depp, boo, whatever, whatever, Johnny Depp, boo. Somebody told me, they go, there's territories around the world that will not release a black and white film. Yeah. Even if it's a new movie, even if it's a, it's, they just like won't do it. Like yeah. they'll, they'll reject it. So many it. people and I was haven't like, seen the artist. That sucks. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a lot of black and yeah. white horror that people haven't really seen. Like a lot of people love zombies, but they haven't seen the original Romero. Yep. Uh, yeah. That's and, on the list. That's coming up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And once they actually see it for the first time and then they realize that in that era, the main characters were a woman and a black man. Yeah. And that's awesome. Or just the fact that the black and white makes it so fucking scary. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it does. adds so much to, especially that movie. Like there's yeah. so much done just yeah. with the shadows, the that's, way that people just play with like, shadows in those movies. I, I know it's not a great movie. You don't have to tell me that it's bad, but Will Smith's I Am Legend, I enjoy it. But yeah. uh, I'm, the, I'm the, not going to say that it's bad. The, the Charlton Heston movie, The Omega Man, it's okay too. But the one that's actually pretty creepy is the Vincent Price, uh, The Last Man on Earth, which was all three of those I are based off of the book I Am Legend. So like that one, but part of it, why it's so creepy, it's just Vincent Price and he's already too old yeah. and he's shambling around in a world where there's nobody else. And I think they filmed it in Italy or somewhere, yeah. but it's creepy because it's in black and white. <laughs> yeah, there's a actually Vincent Price in black and white, and you're already yeah. fucking terrified. Yeah. If you have access to YouTube, talking to you like we are in hell. All of the original House on Haunted Hill, Vincent Price is on YouTube, and it's oh. a quality upload. Ooh. If anybody wants to check that out, because nice. I what still go House on Haunted Hill. The movie, uh, yeah, the Vincent Price one. All of it is in a quality upload on YouTube right I think now. We watched it recently. Uh, I watched. Um, Oh, no, we watched The Haunting of Hill House. Haunting of Hill House, which is different. different. That's different. Yeah, House on Haunted Hill, it's basically every single piece of media since the existence of this movie has ripped Mm -hmm. off the concept at some point. Mm -hmm. Eccentric millionaire invites strangers who don't know each other to a house. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing as House on Haunted Hill, right? The, uh, haunting of Hill House is a little bit Hill different, House. slightly different. Yeah, okay. there's there's like a there's there's like yeah there's like a there's like a ghost family involved. Yeah, and it's like a little bit different. But, but it, yeah. it is a professor trying to study the effects of okay. of of um yeah psychic whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's hard for me to choose favorite horror, but I feel like if I just had to boil it down to why I love the genre, it's I've never get to see so much women and people that aren't like yeah at the eras when they were made like typically yeah. looked at by society have a role where it's like, yeah, they're beat up and murdered, but also they've they existed for three hours they and normally like I'm just a wacky best friend. Lines. Yeah, yeah, exactly. More than five lines. Whether yeah. it's Laurie Strode or Nancy from mm-hmm. <clears throat> Nightmare, like mm-hmm. I, the final girl is the reason why for me slashers are king. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why like there's, there's a lot, there's a case to be made for why Ripley is a, 
is a better character than Princess Leia. Princess Leia is an amazing yeah. movie character, but Ripley gets to be the the one who survives. And and even though in the first Alien movie, like she was reduced to her underwear, the amazing Sigourney Weaver, the performance, the characters would stayed with audiences, yeah. female audiences, fans for decades. And then <clears> it kind of bleeds into like Linda Hamilton and Terminator Two, and these, you know, and even in the in the, and the first all Terminator, given, like. Yeah, I don't know intelligence, substance, like Ripley's yeah. Sucking, like, yeah, substance, yes. And now sure. we're at Hereditary, where it's three women. It's <laughs> being about, a terrifying yeah. generation. It's I love the Ooh, genre. I can't. I haven't seen Hereditary I haven't seen yet. Either. We should watch it. I started it, and I, then I read on? the Wikipedia page because I was getting too scared. And I was like, Horse it might books. be my watch it once movie. <laughs> watch it once, really? <laughs> watch Shit. it once. It's up there with Shit. Schindler's Actually, list. I'm gonna watch it again just because yeah. Tony Collette. Good. God. Is it as fucked up as she, like... Does she have an Oscar? Does Tony Collette have an Oscar? I don't think so. She's, she's fucking... Like the way she eats the popsicle and Little Miss Sunshine she she's win an Oscar. She's yeah. our next... Once you watch Hereditary, she's our next Streep. Uh, I think like she's blown me away, I think, more than Streep has regularly. Whoa. How dare you say what you just like, said. I, I love Streep. Meryl Streep in Doubt is not But Tony okay. Collette in Hereditary... The places that she went and even just down to the choices that she made where it's like, I don't know what I'm more afraid of, the circumstances in this movie or Toni Collette herself. Wow. <laughs> she was nominated for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress in 2004, The Sixth Sense. Uh, she was amazing in The Sixth Sense. Yep. And, who, and, and I don't think the hereditary thing has happened yet, right? Because that'll be in 2020 because hereditary came out and... No, it happened. No, it it happened, or so she should. It happened, get and it's been. For that? I feel like Hereditary kind of like Get it's Out. Get Out as good as horror's gotten in the Academy Awards recently. Uh, oof, maybe I don't know. Nah, maybe we'll see because they're doing some awesome stuff with horror. Well, I mean, there's nothing yeah. like recently nominated that counts as horror that I could think of. Other than here's here's yeah, some awards yet. that Tony Collette has won: Best Supporting Actress at the Vancouver Film Critics Circle. Uh, she won Best Actress at the St. Louis Film Critics Association for Hereditary. Best Actress for the Seattle Film Critics was she, Society she wasn't for Hereditary. She was nominated for Best Actress for Hereditary. Was no, she? not for the Academy Awards. She mm-hmm. won Little Miss Sunshine uh, Screen Actors Guild Award for Outstanding Performance by a Cast. She won that with the cast of Little Miss Sunshine. She won for United States of Terror Performance in a Comedy Series oh, at the she Prism win the Awards. Emmy for that? No, I'm, she I'm never won the, an Emmy for she should Emmy. Wait, yes, she did. She won for United States of Terror okay, in 2009, uh, Outstanding Lead in a Comedy Series Primetime Emmy Awards. Didn't she play like a bunch, a bunch of, of characters? Yeah, like ten different people. She yeah. won the Online Film Critics Society Best Actress for Hereditary. Uh, she won the Best Actress in 2003, the Inside Film Awards, Inside Film Awards this for is a Japanese Tony Story fan podcast. This is what it's turned it into. Hereditary's it net her a lot of awards, actually. It should yeah. have. It's, wow, it's one of Hereditary is one of those movies where we're going to go back and look at Tony Collette in it and be like, we should have given her the world. Yeah. Wow. Oh man, I can't wait. Every Isn't single it, person is doing so much heavy lifting. It's fucked up though, right? Like I haven't seen it yet, but it's like, it's is it like old fucked boy fucked up. up? I wouldn't say. It's not old boy fucked up in that that movie makes you feel disgusting after mm-hmm. watching it. I would okay. say Hereditary is like if the Babadook Uh-oh. made love to what Pet Cemetery should have been. Oh. You know what's, oh. you know what's weird too? <laughs> here's a, here's a oh. bummer. Here's a bummer. My dad, my dad, who is a 60-year-old, 62-year-old uh, uh, Mexican guy, went to go see Hereditary. He said he said that he was so not scared by it, didn't enjoy it, he walked out of it. And I'm like, <laughs> That's dad, because he didn't let it get to dad, the part. Because it takes I, like 45 minutes. Yeah. It takes for 45 it to minutes. Get fucked. Yeah. Similarly to Pet Cemetery, because it's basically like, we want you to trust us, and we mm. want you to trust the space that you're in before mm. we do this to you. Yeah. Is Pet <laughs> Cemetery 
Cemetery. Do you like the new Pet Cemetery? Oh no, <laughs> Vanessa no. did not like okay. it at all. I hated it so much. Is this yeah. why you guys were yelling Arlstein? Uh, yeah, Stephen King. This is why we were yelling uh, just to make Cameron mad. Yeah. just to yeah. make Cameron just Arlstein over Stephen King. Well, which I is love, not true. love, love, love Stephen King, but the new Pet Cemetery just like a lot of horror remakes. Although I've been hearing good things about Child's Play, so I'm going to give it a chance. Mm. But with a lot of horror remakes, they just go by like paint by numbers, and they it's don't really understand why it worked. Because yeah. mm-hmm. uh, even the original Pet Cemetery, like, first of all, Mary Lambert should be lauded for it, um, but understood kind of like hereditary, where it's like, trust your audience, trust that you can take the slow burn and pace this time with it so that when you reveal and your hand, it it'll sit heavier. Mm-hmm. And this Pet, pet Cemetery was just like, get to the thing. Mm-hmm. So. That's the problem. Yeah. Uh, Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us thank today. Thank you for yes, having me. To talk horror, to tell us your insights, to make an, a fantastic pick of a documentary that I'm super thank curious you. about. Is it our first documentary? It might be it, our first documentary. It might be pick. our first documentary that somebody else has picked. Other than Oh, wait, no. Captain America, the Winter Soldier is a documentary. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I forgot. About that. Yeah, I forgot. That's, a that's definitely a documentary. Is yeah, yeah. Well Rider a documentary? No, no, right? Tremors is, though. Hunt for the Wilder People is. That is a documentary. Yeah. So is Boy. And Doctor Strangelove. And Doctor Strangelove. That is a documentary. Um, oh, my God. And so is The Last Action Hero. Most of these are documentaries. Yeah, it turns out I was wrong. Yeah, most of they these that people have. We're going to have to add uh, uh, Giuseppe Makes a Movie to our list that we're sharing with our audience because oh, yes. they, yep. they've made it clear they want to because every week we just will say what our our guest's pick is but like if you're not listening every single week like you're not gonna you know so we've compiled yeah. it for them so we'll add it there so we can check it out yeah uh and then thanks for talking spring in a small town yes. thanks Thank i you. love that Thank movie you for coming over and watching that at yeah. 10 in the morning 1948 on a <laughs> 1948 <laughs> chinese film that was fantastic oh, yeah. so where can people follow you on the internet and is there anything that you want to point them to yeah uh you can follow me on at Ness Gritton, that's N-E-S-G-R-I-T-T-O-N on all forms of social media. Um, also follow my sketch team under at Hail Night Church. We do a lot of horror, cult movie, basically a lot of like video store based uh, yeah. sketches and comedy. Uh, working on uh, the night yeah, church. Yeah, we're ridiculous. We have a show today where we have an entire popsicle uh, created for us by this great company called We All Ice Cream. And it's like a blood orange popsicle because why not? Uh, yeah. blood. So we're that kind of camp. So check us out cool yeah. and that's and you guys perform in the la area yeah we're, have you guys done any touring or anything like that no touring yet um i definitely want to do some of the halloween festival circuit oh, once yeah. that comes up yeah. um we're every fourth sunday at the pack theater but we also upload a lot of our sketches yeah like one that we have debuting tonight is one that i wrote right before i saw the matrix which is just my perspective Wait, of what I thought was the Matrix ha- before you saw the Matrix. <laughs> I I mean I just watched the construct scene, uh, <laughs> and I just did the construct scene. Except if Neo, if the person in it was not aware that the Matrix was even a movie. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'll show you both. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. okay, great. Okay, great. And of course, be sure to watch El Rey Nation Thursday yes. nights at ten thirty Eastern, seven thirty Pacific. Check your local listings, and it might be on demand if you have a cool cable package. Yeah, check your uh, local listings, cool. Eastern Standard Time, 9 p.m. Yeah, 1030. <laughs> 10.30. 10.30. <laughs> uh, yeah, Keller, what movie are we watching next week? Who's going to be next our guest? Next week, we'll be watching Enduring Love. Enduring Love. With 
Giovanni Lenayo. Yes, that's going to be fun. Oh, Did I awesome. say her last name right? I think so. We'll okay. ask her when she gets here. Okay. But that is a 2004 movie, and it's currently rentable on the internet. I think it's rentable. Early Daniel Craig. Early, ah. Daniel, early Daniel Craig. It's rentable on like YouTube. It's super British. For like three Reese bucks. Reese Iphens yeah. is in it. Uh, Reese Iphens. Lizard. Ugh, the little lizard. <laughs> Wasn't he the lizard man? He was the lizard in Amazing yeah. Spider-Man with Andrew mm-hmm. Garfield. That's right. Reese Iphens. He's the, he's the worst. Um, okay, so Enduring Love that was a little harsh. is next week. What's that? So I think he's a good actor. That's a little yeah. harsh. Apparently, the dude showed up drunk to Comic-Con and like assaulted a Comic-Con security person before he would then got up on stage to do the panel for The Amazing Spider-Man. So yeah. I'll, I'm going to uh, go ahead and say he's a, he's a piece of crap. Oh, okay. Sorry, Reese. Yeah, Reese. Hey, man. Be get happier. A get a real vowel in your name, yeah. idiot. Be happier. You're in the last two <laughs> Harry Potters, okay? Yeah. He is? Yeah. Who's he in that? Luna Lovegood's dad. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That's him. That's oh, him. Yeah. Vanessa, thanks again for joining us on the podcast. Uh, And we will see you guys next week. So go watch Enduring Love and follow Vanessa on all the social media stuff. And we'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye. Bye.